in that facility. We are continuing our series on 1 John. Major theme on teaching points are fellowship and sonship, or sonship being relationship. And to kind of differentiate between the two, fellowship is a matter of light and darkness, the way we live. Now, there's application there to salvation, but for the sake of the text that we're looking at, we're focusing more on fellowship and light and darkness, but sonship or relationship is always a matter of life and death. Life and death, light and darkness. Today, we're going to focus on walking the walk, not just talking the talk. The first two chapters of the epistle emphasize the difference or contrast between saying and doing. Today's text will present us with a test of obedience. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. We'll be reading up through chapter 2, verse 6. 1 John 1 and 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Somebody say amen. amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he is able, uh, abides, a, abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Father, we would pray that you will be honored through the reading of your word. And the Father, you will be glorified by the way in which we respond to it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. The people of God have said, Amen. Please be seated. You know, we, uh, uh, in our worship service Thursday evening at, uh, at the prison, uh, we talked about sin. We talked about uh, the penalty of sin. We talked about the tests of, uh, of relationship with Christ. And uh, I tell you, uh, we had church. <laughs> uh, we had church. Matter of fact, the, the, the prison, uh, uh, some of the prisoners actually led us in the first couple, three songs of worship. And uh, they uh, they done an amazing job of uh, singing and, and leading us in praise and worship. But it was a great evening. I was glad to be back in, spending a little time. Uh, I'll use that term carefully, spending time uh, with those guys. But uh, they're precious souls. They're precious souls. And we were full. 
We're, we're pretty well packed out. So how many does that room hold, Gary? Holds 100? Okay, so there we're, we're, wasn't any empty seats there. So it was a good night. Walk. Walk is simply another word for live. How we live, how we live is the way we walk. The test of fellowship and the test of sonship are each qualified by three individual tests or three additional tests, obedience, love, and truth. Well, today we're going to look at the test of obedience. John introduces us to the image of light, and he says, God is light. And we know from other scripture, Luke 22 and 53, that Satan is the prince of darkness. So there we have the chasm established right there. We have God who is light, Satan who is the prince of darkness, and they cannot dwell together. They are forever separate. So to obey him, to obey Christ is to walk in the light. To disobey is to walk in the darkness. Folks, that's, that ought to hit us hard. So if we're walking in the darkness, who are we walking with? Satan. There's an old saying, if you don't meet Satan in your journey today, turn around and go the other way. You might be traveling the same direction. And so this is, this is it, and, 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 and we rely, we trust on the presence, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to show us the way, to show us the way, keep us in the light. John points out that it is possible for people to say they are in the light, yet actually be in the darkness, and this is where we begin to, to, to see the meat of the passage. And he notes four liars, four liars, Number one, they lie about fellowship. They say they have fellowship, but they don't really have fellowship because if the unsaved, the unsaved has no real true fellowship with the saved, okay? Oh, we can be friends, we can be all these guys, but we're talking about communion. We're talking about intimate fellowship that only comes through the family of God, through those who are born again. The second liar is lying about their own nature, saying they have no sin. Says, if you say you have no sin, you're lying. Folks, I, I can't expound on that anymore. That's exactly what the text says. Number three, lying about our deeds, saying that we have not sinned and we do not do, uh, we do, not do, any, do anything that leads to sin. And the fourth lying is about our obedience, saying that we kept his commandments when we have not. So, so there's, there, there's this very, very plain description of those who are out of fellowship with God. So what do we do with our sins? How many have some? Well, we got, we, got some, we got a couple of options here we can explore for what to do with them, okay? And this is a good thing because I'm going to tell you this right up front. We do not have the capability nor the capacity to do anything about it ourselves. We can't. Not out of our own strength, not out of our own might, not out of our own power, not out of our own knowledge, not out of our own wisdom. We cannot resolve this issue of sin in our lives, but Christ already has. He already has, and he wants to impart or impute that to us by exchanging our sins for his righteousness. And that's what we're going to deal with in the text today. But let's look at the first option we have. The futile attempt to cover our sins. Futile. 
This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow, hallelujah. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Futile. This key contrasting light and darkness, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. When we are saved, God calls us out of darkness into his life. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are also children of light. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. For you are all children of light children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Those who do wrong hate the light and love the darkness. In John, the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people love the darkness. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? But, but if we look at our culture, if we look at the world around us, we can clearly see that people love the darkness. They love it there rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that as the works have been carried out in God. And Ephesians 5, one more passage. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children. What's that word walk mean? Live, live, live as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. Amen. You know, if we look again at, at John's purpose in writing this epistle, first of all, he's led by the Holy Spirit. That's number one priority. The Holy Spirit is leading him to write these words. So don't get mad at me as a preacher or John as the earthly author. Take it up with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote it, okay? But listen to these two things. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So why does John want us to deal with this issue of sin? Because sin robs us of the joy, folks. Sin robs us of living the victorious and joy-filled Christian life. So John wants us, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to deal with this thing called sin. And then in the end of John, we have this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So that's joy forever. Two key points in this letter. Light produces life and growth and beauty, but sin is darkness, and darkness and light cannot exist in the same place. When, when light enters darkness, what happens to the darkness? Somebody. So darkness is not something. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is something that penetrates the darkness, and that light in the spiritual realm is the Lord Jesus Christ. His light, the light of the sun, penetrates and obliterates, eliminates the darkness. So how do Christians try to cover up their sins? Maybe we ought to just go around the room and, and, and pull some examples. We, Folks, now I, I, I'm... I'm 
I'm going to take the liberty to impose it on about everybody here, but I'll take personal responsibility. I've tried it. I've tried it, you know. And, you know, I'm not going to name them. Oh, some of them are saying, oh, shucks. <laughs> but, when, you know, the ones that you try to cover are the little insignificant ones mainly, right? But it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Here's, everybody does this once in a while. See, that's cover. That's cover, you know. Well, it was just, it was just a little white lie. A little white lie. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, it was a half-truth. See, you can just go on with these little covers we try to try to throw over things or we see people try to throw over things. I tell you what, the best way to do is let the light shine on it. Let the light shine on it. And it produces life. It produces growth. Once we begin to lie to others, we'll sooner or later lie to ourselves. And our passage deal was this in 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive who? Ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Abraham Lincoln had a great word of wisdom for this. If you're going to tell a lie, you better have a good memory. Right? Because one lie leads to another, to another, to another, and uh, you'll forget what the first lie was and catch yourself in another lie. So if you're going to start lying, oh, Abe Lincoln said, you better have a good memory. Or a better thing to do is confess it. <laughs> confess it to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, the futile attempt to cover our sins. David Jeremiah gives us these three points. I'd like to share them quickly with you. He says that we try to cover our sins in three areas. Number one, we deny the power of sin. We deny the power. We often claim one thing by our words but are condemned by our lives. Walking in fellowship with Christ results in being continually cleansed from our sin. And when we're cleansed from the guilt and stain of sin, we have what? The fullness of joy in our lives. And if we deny the power of sin, he goes on to say, we will often deny the presence of sin. The cure for sinfulness is not denying our sin, but relying on the faithfulness of God to forgive us our sins. Folks, it's, just, it's absurd when we talk about this, and, and, and there may be some wondering, you know, well, just what is this sin? What is this sin? If you're a born-again believer, ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. He'll show you. And I'm serious about that. You know, I've, I've told a story. I'll share it one more time very quickly. I remember having this young man. I'm, I, 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 I led him to Christ. He, he prayed the prayer, a sinner's prayer, and, and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Born again, I believe with all my heart, born again. Well, a little bit of time went by, and as a matter of fact, I baptized him right after that. Time went by, and he began to stray just a little bit. Just, just kind of wandering back in towards the old lifestyle. And he came to me one day, and he says, Preacher, he says, I don't understand it. I'm absolutely miserable. I'm absolutely miserable. I can't sleep at night. I can't get any rest. Every, you know, I, I, I'm hanging out with some of my old buddies and stuff, and, and I'm just miserable. I'm not having any fun. I said, praise God, you messed up. He said, what do you mean I messed up? I said, you got saved. And your old life has no appeal anymore. You can try to go back, but here it is. The Holy Spirit will not let you enjoy it anymore, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit takes all the fun out of sinning. Amen? <laughs> because he's got a better way. 
a better way, a better way full of hope and joy and comfort and peace and true excitement and experiencing the fullness of the love of God through Jesus Christ, his son, and the fellowship of the believers. I like being around you folks. Amen? Amen. There's fellowship, and it's sweet. It's precious. Deny the presence of sin. We rely on the faithfulness of God. We go ahead and acknowledge its power, acknowledge its presence, and give it to Christ. Third, deny the practice of sin. This is where, well, I, I've, I've ignored the power. I've ignored the presence. Well, guess what? Now it's got a hold of me. Now it's got a hold of me. And now it's controlling me. Now I'm practicing it in my walk or in my life. The person who denies that he or she has, in fact, sinned, is quick to, to label their actions as anything but sin. It takes, it takes a penitent heart to finally come to Christ and say, Christ, Jesus, 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 I blew it. I blew it. If you lose your joy in the Christian life, I would invite you to ask those three questions and see if admitting it, repenting of it, confessing it, and accepting Christ's full forgiveness won't reinstate the joy in your life. I'm going to read from Psalm 51 in just a little bit, and I want you to make note, we will make note when we get to that portion of Scripture, just how important that is. Number two, the liberating result of confessing our sins. Now we're getting down to some viable, productive options, aren't we? We've established that covering our sins just simply won't work. Now we're going to confess our sins. Verse John 1, 9 and 2, up through 2, 2. 2, 2, Yes. Not something you wear. I don't know where that stuff comes from, Wilburn. You know, my, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a twisted man. <laughs> if we confess our sins, he is faithful. What? He, Jesus Christ, is faithful, and he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from a little bit of unrighteousness. Say it again. Wow. Wow. If we say we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar. And his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? Whoa, the power of these verses, I, I, I tell you, it's almost unfathomable to understand what that means. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and our personal Savior is also the great high priest, the only one who can hear our confession and forgive us of our sins. Do you hear that, brothers and sisters? He is the only one who can hear our confession and forgive us of our sins. And the forgiveness comes through his obedience to the will of the Father. He is our advocate, interceding for us, standing in our place before the Father, representing us in his own perfect holiness and purity. Christians do sin, but this does not mean they must be saved all over again. Sin in the life of a believer breaks fellowship. It does not destroy relationship. How does God provide for the sins of the saints? Through the heavenly ministry of Christ. 
He's our great high priest. That's how he sustains us, through the ongoing ministry of Christ. I, I used this term at the, at the prison the other night, a matter, matter of fact. It isn't that once we have been cleansed of all unrighteousness, we are sinless, but we should sin less. We should sin less. And that's because our focus and our obedience continues to come back to being just like the Jesus who loved me and died for me. It just keeps coming back to that relationship with Christ over and over and over. And we cry and we plead. We cry and we plead for Christ to make us just more like himself. Oh, to be like him. And I'm not talking about a, a, an unhealthy deity complex, but to, to be like Christ to share in his holiness, to share in his humility, to share in his grace, to share in his mercy, to be conformed to the image and likeness of the Son. That's the purpose for our existence, my friends. The purpose for our existence is to be in fellowship with God through a relationship with his Son. And if you're not in that relationship, and if you're not in that fellowship, then you have yet to realize why you exist. You have not yet realized your purpose for being here and God has one. He has one, and it's beautiful. To confess sin means to agree with God. That's literally what it means. If I confess, I'm agreeing with God. I share his same opinion of that sin as he does. So I confess. Jesus is our propitiation for our sin. He, he appeases or satisfies God's requirements of perfect holiness. You and I can never meet those requirements, so Christ stands in our stead. And he is our righteousness. He is our holiness. Christ not only satisfied our sin debt that we could never pay, he now stands in our place advocating for us as sons and daughters of the God, of God, uh, his Father and ours. We have been liberated, my friends. I told you we'd join David in a psalm of repentance. I want to read that right now. It comes from Psalm 51. When David finally realized the liberating power of confessing his sins, he couldn't cover it. It just got him deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble when he tried to cover it up. And he finally comes to a point where he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Listen to this. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The psalmist writes in Psalm 32, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my heart. My friends, if you've never done that, 
you are still in bondage. You're still in bondage. We are sinners saved by grace. And it's grace that saves us, and it will be grace that keeps us. Be open, be honest, be free. Point number three, very quickly, the victorious life of conquering our sins. Don't cover, confess, and then move on to conquering. We may never be sinless, but we should sin less. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. And verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus, our advocate. Jesus, our propitiation. Jesus, our pattern. Jesus not only is our righteousness, he leads us in the way of righteousness as we walk in the light. Do not walk toward the light. Please don't do that. Walk in the light. It may not be your time yet, so don't walk toward the light. Walk in the light. What should a believer do when another believer sins against him? Well, I want to throw rocks. How about you? No, now be careful. The answer is that believers should forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4. Walking in the light, following the example of Christ, will affect a home. Husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands aren't supposed to care for their wives, even as the Lord cares for his church. And wives are to honor and obey their husbands. No matter what area of life it may be, our responsibility is to do what Jesus would do. As he is, so are we in the world. We should walk and live even as he walked. This is the vine and the branches living out life together. We are to abide in Christ. We are to get life and nourishment from the vine. To abide means that to depend completely on him for all that we need in order to live for him and serve him. We're talking about the liberated, victorious Christian life, folks. That's what this whole passage is about. Yes, it just goes on and on and on. People say, well, I'm tired of hearing about sin. Well, God never got tired of it. He dealt with it. But when God decided to deal with this issue called sin, it cost him dearly. It cost him immeasurably. It cost him his one and only son simply because he loved you and me. God didn't try to ignore it. All in the Old Testament, they did cover it. That's called atonement. They cover it, and it only lasted for a year. They had to do it all over again. But Christ came as the final sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats could no longer satisfy to satisfy a holy and righteous God, the sinless Son of God had to die as a sacrifice. And now, and now we can have joy. Can you, can you imagine that? We're talking about, just think about this for a moment, please. Oh, we celebrate death because that's the way we get life. So we celebrate the sacrifice of Christ, recognizing his resurrection, recognizing the glorious resurrection that brings us hope. But in the fact that it took his death to satisfy my sin debt, I celebrate that. Praise God, I also celebrate the resurrection because that means I get to be with him forever and ever where he is right now. That's completed joy. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. 
Don't ignore sin. Don't deny it. Don't deny its presence. Don't deny it, its power. Don't deny its practice. Give it to God. Give it to the Lord. Re reflect on David's prayer there in, in Psalm 51. A, a, a repentant man. A repentant man. And, and for those of you, I'm, I'm sure most of us here know exactly what he had gone through. From adultery to murder. And yet he fell before a graceful and merciful God and said, God, I blew it. I blew it. Now, you're saying, well, I've never committed adultery. I've never killed anybody. Well, praise the Lord. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But you're a sinner. Just like me. And we need the perfections of Christ. We need his atoning blood. We need his crucified body. We need his death, burial, and resurrection so that we can also die to sin and live to Christ. We need it. We need him every hour. We ought to sing a song about that. We need him every hour. Thursday night we ended with the song, Are You Washed in the Blood? And, and I got to tell you, I thought we was going to have the rapture. I mean, those guys lit up the room. A hundred singing voices. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you hiding under covers today? Come out in the open. It doesn't have to be to me. It doesn't have to be to Pastor Adam or one of the elders. It doesn't have to. Just lay yourself open before God. Lay yourself open before God. Because your great high priest is ready to hear your prayers right now. He's ready to hear your prayers. And he's sitting right there between you and the Father. And the minute we pray that prayer of repentance, and the minute we pray that prayer of, of, uh, of, of confessing our sins before a holy and righteous God, Christ intercedes for us and say, you know what, Lord? You know what, Dad? You know what, Dad? I covered that. I took care of that on the cross. Not that he has to remind God, but I'm just getting a little play acting here, okay? I took care of that on the cross. That boy belongs to me now. That lady belongs to me right now. They're mine. I'm in fellowship with them. We're in fellowship with you. Holy Spirit has made us in fellowship with one another, and now they can join the larger body of Christ and be in fellowship with everybody else. That's what it's all about. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we've had here this morning. We thank you for a full life, a life of joy, a life of purpose, a life of, of, of comfort and peace and hope. And, Father, thank you that you have illuminated our path. As Christians, we just need to keep our eyes on the sun, and we won't trip and fall, because he will light the way. Now, Father, I know that we won't achieve perfection this side of eternity, but we can always have it as lying before us, simply a heart-burning desire to be more like Jesus every day, to be more like Jesus in every way. And we ask this for his glorious sake. Amen and amen. If our worship team would lead us in this final song of invitation. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then that is the starting point. Absolutely. Ground zero. Where the old flesh and the old person dies and the new creation emerges. And it happens just like that. Just like that. You've never had that life-transforming moment of rebirth. 
let us help you in the process and the journey and lead you towards that liberating and joy-filled life. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and just said simply, you know what, I'd really like to, to take care of this for you. I'd really like to get this out of your life. I'd look at, how about idols? How about idols? How many of us have idols? No hands. All right. Praise the Lord. We're in good shape. One godly saint says she has an idol. What is it, Addie? No, I don't. <laughs> in the serious of this moment, folks, we got to be careful. 